We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the middle of our series, Philippians. A study through this letter and its powerful application to our lives and becoming more like Christ. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. What scares you? I mean, what causes you to feel a little shaky in your shoes? What causes you to feel a little trepidation? Huh? What causes the sweat to break on you, out on you? Your heart starts to beat a little bit faster. You feel paranoid. Your eyes get twitchy. What is it when you hear a noise? in the back of the house and you thought you were the only one home? Is when you find out that that person you were hanging out with has COVID? Is it when you go in the kitchen and someone ate all the flaming hot Cheetos? <laughs> There's lots of things that can cause us to feel fear, to feel this intense fear. And most of us hate that feeling. And then there's those select few, I know who you are, who like to watch those horror movies and then sleep at night with the lights on for three days. Don't understand it. Don't get it. But hey, anyways, we hate it because it makes us feel like we are not in control, right? Right? It makes us feel like we might lose something or like we might get hurt or die. And don't get me wrong, lots of these things that can be, that these things that causes this fear can be real right? They can be real and the fears can be helpful. The kind of fears that keep you from sticking your hand in the garbage disposal, right? That kind of fear or the kind of fear that keeps you from taking the selfie on the other side of the guard railing, right? Or maybe even the fear that keeps you from eating that rotten thing that's been sitting in the fridge for quite a while. Now, I know some of y'all's fear is not working correctly and this doesn't apply to you right now. You're like, what's wrong with that? Fear can be a good thing at times, but it can also hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. And this morning, I believe you've got to know something about this fear. You've got to know something even more about those real painful things that happen, those circumstances that keep you held tight. I believe God wants to speak to you, to you, to you. So if you're with me this morning, say, hey, woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're there. I am feeling you, okay? Some of you are trying desperately to type that in. You don't even know how to spell that. It's okay. I got you, okay? You just throw something in there, emoji or something. You're in the right place. Thank you for joining us this morning. We are in this together to hear God's voice this morning morning. And we just started a brand new series last week. Brand new. Go to that next slide. It's fresh. Fresh. Right? We started it. We started it. It was powerful, was it not? Hearing the words from this book. Right? Right? God had something to speak through these words last week. We got a powerful testimony from our own Lydia. Right? Those came to Christ right here in our neighborhood. No idea what I'm talking about. 
you'll want to go back and check that out, okay? It's on our app, on our website. You, you can go back. This week, believe it or not, it's getting even better. Even better. This week, we're diving in deep. Someone say deep. Deep. That's where we're going this morning, by God's grace. And here where it all going to happen. It's all going to happen in a place you never thought it happened called Philippians. Philippians. Come on, someone say this one with me. No one. Philippians. <laughs> not even the person running slides is saying that one with me. I got some cool kids that are around me. I'm not saying nothing. I want you to try and type Philippians in the chat, okay? Go ahead and try to type Philippians because if there's one thing that's harder than saying it, it's spelling it, okay? This is one of the words in the Bible where you're like, how do you spell Philippians? Two P's, two L's, is there a second I? It's, you know, you gotta believe me on this. Philippians is not a word that I made up when I was bored on quarantine. It's not the name of a car company you've never heard of. It's actually a letter inside of this book, the Bible. See, the Bible's got lots of different writings in here. You got poetry, history, laws. Um, there's like a whole song book in here. There's stories. And then there's some letters. Letters. And this letter is the one that was written way back at the beginning of the church by the Apostle Paul. And who was this letter to? The Philippians. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The people from the city of Philippi. You see, Apostle Paul had started this church 20 years earlier, and now he found himself stuck in prison. Stuck in prison, right? Possibly forever. So he's doing what he can, writing letters to the people he loves, to the churches he loves. He's communicating with them. Now, I know someone's asking, why didn't the Apostle Paul just give him a call or a text? I hate to break it to you, and it's going to be hard for you to believe, but there was no such things as phones back then. There it is. That's the fear, right? Like, you, you didn't care about anything at the beginning. When you, You're like, there's no phones. You just broke out in, like, a cold sweat. You're like, wait a second. You're telling me there was a time when there was no phones. Yes, I know. Yes, it's crazy. So Paul actually writes letters on paper, puts them into someone's bag. There's no USPS either, right? They take it to the church, okay? It's crazy. We don't even understand. And there's a crazy thing about the letters in this book. There's something even more crazy about this. Paul was writing this letter to a specific group of people in a specific context, and, and it had something to say, but God somehow, somehow by His Spirit and His power, inspired there's a word for you I want you to say. Inspired. inspired. He inspired these words so they carry on for the church all the way till now. The entirety of history. Crazy, right? That's God for you. Like, we can't even get someone to remember what we just said. But God says some words and it lasts forever, right? That's how our God works. He has the power to transcend context and people groups and cultures. And they can change us here and now. Don't believe me? Have you ever tried reading this book? No, no, no. I'm not talking about just like you sit down and you're like, let me try. Never mind. Right? Like, I'm talking about where you start out and you like, ask God, God, show me what you have to say in this book. Have you ever tried that? I'm talking about like, you know, 
something's going to happen. You're like, I don't know, Pastor G. I don't know if God's even real. Why would you do that? Because I promise you, God will meet you if you ask Him to speak to you from this. You don't approach it like an academic book. You approach this as God's words. And then, you know, some of you are like, uh, like thinking like a bomb's going to go off if you open it. like, God, you in there? Okay, yeah. This is a powerful book. That's why we can't afford to miss what we're talking about this morning. Let's practice that a little bit right now. I want us just to pray together this morning that God would speak to us through this. Would you pray with me? God, we do come before you. We realize that without your help, without the Holy Spirit opening our eyes, this is meaningless to us. We need your Spirit to enlighten us. We need you yourself to show us what it is that you are saying to your church here and now. I pray that you would open our eyes, open our minds, and open our hearts. And God, that it would spill over into our community. God, that we would see mighty things done because of your words changing our lives. Do this this morning, Jesus. Do this because because, because we, we know you want to. We know you want to, Jesus. We lay ourselves before you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Buckle yourself into your couch seat and get ready because we're going to talk about some of the hardest and most fearful places in our lives and where we find ourselves. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Go on. Don't be afraid. Take that Bible, dust it off, get it off your shelf. Grandma gave you one. Find an open tablet or an extra phone. Just pull up Philippians 1. I want you to look at this with me. Philippians 1. We're going to start at verse 12. If you missed the first 11 verses that was last week, go back, check it out. Not right now. We're going to go to verse 12 right now. And it says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Let's just stop there for a second so I can tell you what's going on. What Paul means by everything that has happened to me here. Go back a couple slides uh, to the first verse there. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, right? Everything that has happened to me. What are you saying? Prison. That's right. You heard it here. Breaking news. The Apostle Paul is in prison. Wrap your head around that for a second. One of the most spiritual men, God-passionate men in the Bible is in prison. I want to get out of your head the modern idea of prison. Not that prison is by any means fun or enjoyable now, right? But in comparison to the Roman prisons, this was a place where you could quite literally die, okay? You could quite literally die. You were completely at the mercy of your friends and family, whether or not they wanted to still take care of you, okay? Because, you see, no food was provided for the prisoners. No clothes, no guarantee that it was a warm place during the winter, 
right? You have to have a constant stream of people bringing you your basic necessities, right? Otherwise, you could literally starve to death or freeze to death. And most of the time, your friends and family didn't even want to associate with you anymore. Like, it was a huge social stigma to, like, have a family member in prison or a friend in prison, right? Like, it would definitely take you down the social ladder. And on top of that, what if this person got convicted, right? Like, and you were seen associating with them, providing food for them. You could quite literally be dragged in next, okay? So there was a real hesitancy, real risks. And on top of that, you would many times be chained to a Roman guard, okay? In order to guarantee that you couldn't escape. How would you like that to be your daily existence? Like, sometimes trials could go for three years, right? And I imagine, like, during that time, you're chained to someone that looks like Hulk Hogan, okay? And you, you, you try to, like, do some stuff or, like, you know, to have a conversation. And all you get is death glares and grunting, okay? That's kind of what it was like, probably, for, like, three years of Paul Lust's life. No, this wasn't a fun time. And that's what's happening with Paul while he's writing the letter, while he's writing this letter, no freedom, no privacy, no guarantee of the next meal, okay? How many of you would raise your hand right about now and say, oh, sign me up for that? That is what I want in my life. <laughs> no, 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 no. No way. That doesn't sound like anything that God has for me. Thank you very much. I'm pretty busy. Sounds pretty inconvenient, God. I mean, come on. Someone tells me I have to wait 10 extra minutes for my food. I'm leaving and leaving a bad Yelp review, okay? Or if I go to Aldi and I'm like having to go check out and you know the Aldi lines, right? Like round the bread aisle twice and you're like, come over here, like you in line? They're like, oh yeah, over there, second loop. You're like, what? Right? Like we have trouble with just small inconveniences in our life, let alone the life-breaking ones. Like someone that you dearly love and literally makes the world go around for you you find out that they have cancer or the dream job you've finally been waiting for closes down. They let you go, tell you you're not good enough. You can't have kids, even though all you've ever dreamed of is having kids. It's your body can't have them or you just can't find a spouse or your life breaks down and you get stuck in a house by yourself for almost a year, right? With nowhere to go. Does that sound familiar at all? These aren't extremes for some people and you just got lucky. <laughs> no, no, no. This is normal. This is normal. This is the way life goes. You know it. I know it. If you don't know it, you will. I promise you these inconveniences happen to be a huge part of how God wants to work in your life. Hear that? These inconveniences that happen in your life is a huge part of how God wants to work in your life. Don't believe me? Look at Paul's response to this minor inconvenience. Look at, look at verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, being stuck in prison for several years, has actually served to advance the gospel. <laughs> Hmm, so let's get this straight, Paul. You're saying that God, like the all-powerful God, can do anything, just speaks it, instead of getting you out of prison with all that overwhelming power of His, He instead lets you sit there and through that situation, wait, let me just repeat myself, through that situation, He advances the gospel? 
uh-uh. What are you doing, God? Like, quit messing with me. You can't be serious. Come on. Come on. You see, God, that doesn't really work for my whole plan, okay? I was thinking more along the lines of, you really bless me. Give me a big car, a big house, a big everything, and then all the influence, Lord, bless my Instagram followers. Make them go up to the thousands, Lord. You know, give me up more. And then, then, God, that gospel message will go forth. I promise you'll get spread far and wide. You got it, God. Just give me all of that, and then we'll get that gospel advancing, okay? Any of you think like that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no? You sure? You like go down deep in your heart. You don't, you don't think that at all. You, you had A or B, which one would you pick, right? I hate to break it to you, but that is not the way God works. You know, sure, you can leave this stream. You can jump on like a hundred other streams right now and you'll hear the message, God's going to fill your bank account. God's going to put a ring on that finger, right? Like, but that's not the gospel, Okay, that's not, that's not the gospel. That's not God's plan for your life. That's a lie that the enemy has used to seduce the church that he's twisted. You see, this story of Paul's, how he has what seems to be the worst experience. Like, through that experience, God works. It's not isolated. If you follow Paul's life, this is actually pretty straightforward. Like, he's probably not surprised at all. He had some pretty horrible, traumatic things happen in his life, right? And how about these other apostles? You know, the other guys, the closest followers of Jesus. Oh, yeah, they all died. Tor not, not normal deaths. Tortured to death, okay? What about the history of the church? Oh, yeah, actually, same thing there. Uh, you see, here's the thing. Every time, and I mean every time, these horrible things happen, God advances the gospel, the gospel. Come on, somebody say, the gospel. The gospel. <laughs> you all know what the gospel is? You want to know? It's simple like this. It's literally the good news. The good news. The good news that God never gave up on you. The good news that he never stopped wanting to have a relationship with you. The good news that he even came and died in your place so that you can be restored in relationship to God through his blood. Your sin can be covered. You can have eternity with him the way you were created to be. Can I get an amen? Yeah, not so you could be successful in this world. Oh no, come on, come on. He got so much more for you. He's got so much more. He's got life eternal. He's got success that looks way different than what the world says. And that's where the two perspectives diverge, okay? The world says, that thing that just happened to you, that horrible thing, that, that beyond horrible thing, uh, you might as well just give up on life, right? Like, you're not worth anything anymore. And you think I'm joking. No, no, no. There's nothing good that's going to come out of that. You just got unlucky, Okay, that's how the world world thinks, right? You got the other perspective. The gospel says that failure or that loss, that crisis, that circumstance, that closed door in your life, that horrible inconvenient situation, I'm going to advance my kingdom through that. 
That's what the gospel says. You have to understand this difference, this, this, this difference this morning, or else the gospel will never mean anything to you at all. Check out James 1, verse 24. James 1, 24. And after... That is not the right verse. I had the wrong reference on there. I think James 1... Uh, you can, I'll just read it. James 1, 2 to 4. I forgot a little dash. James 1, 24. Um, it says... Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you see, we get it all mixed up. We run from the trials. When was the last time you, as James says, considered it pure joy when you got in a car accident, okay? When you were super late, but it wasn't your fault. When that person that you love so much told you something so hurtful. When was the last time you considered that? Pure joy. No way, no way, no way. Come on. That is not joyful, Pastor G. That is... <laughs> Even if God could bring something good out of that situation, you... I, 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 I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. You want to bet? You want to bet? Huh? <laughs> it's not because of me. I don't have the answers, but I know God does. And in this book here, there's a lot of stories with people who went through a lot worse stuff than we can even imagine. And God advanced his kingdom through it. He brought something incredible through it. It wasn't always beneficial to us, right? It wasn't always what we expected or wanted, but God always brought his kingdom through those horrible circumstances. You see, we don't consider it joy because we've got the gospel all mixed up and turned around in our heads. You hear me? Follow me on this. Follow me on this. I mean, God delights. I mean, delights. The kind of delight when you open a family size of peanut M&Ms and you're the only one in the house, okay? That kind of delight. He delights in using our weakness to spread the gospel. I mean, it seems like the weakest points is where God manages to do the most amazing things, the most amazing things. I mean, I look at this story. Paul, he's in prison. Looks like he's facing the death penalty. And he tells us, verse 13, you can go forward one verse. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Would prison be your number one place for evangelism? Hmm? I don't think so. You know, all of us would choose the stage and the microphone, please, right? I'll take the pray for someone and just hope that God reveals himself to him in a dream, okay? God seems to historically do his best work in the places where we are most fearful, where we are in the most, the most, most hard-pressed situations, where we are the weakest. Why? Why is this the case? Why would you do this, God? Look at 1 Corinthians verse 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world 
to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. (laughs) You want to know why God uses the weak and hard and painful things in our life to spread the kingdom. Because only God could move his kingdom forward that way. Only God can move his forward kingdom forward that way. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. There's no possibility of anyone taking that credit. It's not the method we would choose to change the world. It doesn't even make sense to us, but it does to God. I mean, just look at your life for a second. Right? Look at your life. If you're listening this morning and you would say, God has changed my life and I'm a Christian, how many of you feel like you were at your strongest when Christ came into your life? When you found Christ, you were like, yeah, I was at the top of my game, career in the bag, feeling good, feeling fulfilled, and then I was like, oh, sure, Jesus, come on on top of that. You know? No. If you go into the church, everyone's testimonies are like, I was on drugs for 40 years and I barely made it. I struggled with depression for so long. I thought I was successful, but I felt so empty. What is the point of my life? I don't know why I'm having a Southern accent on all this, but that's what's happening right now. You see, God meets us in our weakness and it's through that weakness that he spreads the gospel. Come on, you need to hear this this morning. At our weakest, at our weakest God is strongest. At our weakest, God is strongest. And I know for many of you this morning, it feels like this is the season, the season where you are at your weakest. You're consumed by anxiety. You don't know where that next dollar is going to come from. Every door you thought was open It's now closed. The word you need to hear this morning, the word you need to hear is this season is when God is able to be strongest in your life. It's amazing what God can do when we finally give him control, when we realize that we got nothing. God's like, you done? Okay, let me. Maybe this is the season where God will will reveal himself to you in ways that you never thought was possible. You've never experienced him like this before. Maybe this is a season where God will shine so brightly in you and through you and out of your life that all those people that you thought would never know Jesus come to know him as they see him working in your life and know your weakest point. They will see Jesus in you. Look at verse 14. Look at look at verse 14. It says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Oh man, I'm getting chills about this. When, when the church sees how God is using you in your weakness and how the gospel is going forth, Paul's like, people are seeing how even the palace guards are coming to know the gospel. And then everyone else will start working in their weakness. It says they were afraid, right? Now they're proclaiming it without fear, right? Look at, they become confident and dare to proclaim the gospel without fear. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, the advance of the gospel. And it all happens, it all happens when we allow God 
to be strongest in our weakness. Our weakness. All right, let's keep going. We got to keep moving because there's so much good stuff for us this morning. Look with me at verse 15. Verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The latter meaning the ones who did goodwill, right? Out of goodwill. The latter do so because I'm out of defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. So this is where it gets a little strange, okay? Uh, you know, you can read some commentaries on this and different people's thoughts, and they're like, well, I think this is what was happening, but it's kind of confusing. You see, Paul had made his share of enemies throughout his life, okay? You, all you got to do is read the book of Acts. You'll see he, he made some enemies. He made some people who did not like what he was doing. And he apparently had made some new ones here or people had followed him here, whatever it was. And as Paul was in prison, there was a group of enemies out there preaching about Jesus in order to get Paul in trouble. Okay? Now, I don't know why they thought that was like a brilliant plan, you know, I don't, to me, it sounds about the same as you're like, I'm going to go on a diet by eating as many hot dogs as I possibly can. Okay. That's, that's literally what this sounds like to me. It doesn't really make sense. But then again, a lot of things we do in life don't really make sense. You can move that because that is just distracting. <laughs> so, these preachers of the gospel were trying to show the Roman people how bad Paul was and how bad this gospel was by preaching it themselves. Still not sure about this one? Neither am I. I don't get it. But I welcome all you atheists to go ahead and share Jesus with as many people as you can, okay? Maybe these enemies had become disenchanted by Paul. Maybe they were originally confessors of the Christian faith. They become, you know, discouraged by it, annoyed by the craziness of this Paul. And they just like, you know, I don't know. Whatever the reason was, they now were preaching the gospel, but for the wrong reasons, Okay. That's important. That's important. It even sounds like they were preaching in the wrong way. Look at those words that Paul used to describe these guys. He says they were preaching it out of envy and rivalry. Out of envy and rivalry. It's almost as if they wanted the influence and gifts that Paul had, right? Like they were envious. They were, they were jealous of his influence. And I'm sure Paul was like, go ahead, boys. <laughs> Just come on down to the prison and chain yourself to one of these guards if you really want what comes from this, right? And that same pattern holds true today, doesn't it? We all want the gifts, the influence, the followers, right? We don't want the cost. Mm-hmm. Some of you are hearing me real good now, right? Like, I mean, come on. Who doesn't want the easy path to Jesus? You pick the parts you like. And then you leave all the rest, right? Usually the parts you pick are the desserts, okay? If you're looking at the menu, huh? You don't have to go very far to see the same thing here in the church. Different celebrity pastors that have lost their way decided it was a little too difficult to follow that narrow path, right? Jesus talks about, why don't we broaden it a little, right? They start to sound a little bit like Satan in the garden. Did God really say? Okay. I'm not so sure about all those verses on being sexual pure. 
okay, I'm not sure that God really wants you to be faithful to your wife, right? I don't know about all those parts of the Bible that talk about giving money to the poor or like taking care of those that are less fortunate than yourself. I don't know about resting or fasting or praying, right? But I do genuinely believe that you need to give me money, okay? Paper, paper, right? That's usually the story you'll hear. We're living in that same day and age, my friends. It's more important than ever that we don't wrap our little ears with all the feel-good podcasts that we get, right? You're already like turning off. You're like, let me go find something better. This is not fun, right? But instead, we got to find someone who's willing to count the cost of the gospel, who's willing to read from this book. And no matter how damaging or difficult it is, he's, he, he or she is willing to say that, that this is what matters. This is the truth. These are the words of life. Can I get an amen for that? Come on. Amen. 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 Look what other timely words that Paul uses to describe these false preachers. He says that they preach from selfish ambition. There's a more timely phrase for the Western church. I don't know one. Whether it's the music industry, the political parties here in the U.S., or just the restaurant on the corner, everyone and anyone is trying to use God to advance their own cause, okay? Like, and they all claim that he's with them, right? You all know what that, 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 that you know, that is, that, that, that's selfish ambition, okay? You know, let me, let me see how this can help me get what I want, Okay, that's selfish ambition. Let me see how this can help me get what I want. And this filters into everything. It doesn't happen just to the celebrity pastors, right? It happens when you put that cross up in the window, just hoping that it will bring the blessing to you, okay? It happens when, you, when you're treating it like a good luck charm. It happens when you claim that God supports and backs your political preference. Yeah, mm-hmm. you heard me. Preference, okay? Yep, I just lost like 30 people on the chain. Uh, Happens when you claim your business practices, your work practices. You claim him on those, that God's behind them, but then you don't honor him in them at all. And I'm just getting started. Everyone says they got the corner on why God supports them, okay? They got a verse. They even probably got it on their wall, given to them from their grandma. A lot of the times, it seems like we got our own agendas, our own successes in mind, and then we claim God's name over it. Whoa! Good luck charm right there, and that's where we can fall right into the line of these people. These same people, these people who are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition. Here's another way that we get that selfish ambition going. When we think, I can put the name of Jesus on a product and bam, my product's going to sell like crazy, right? Just market it to all those Christians and they'll get it, right? That's why I hate, at least strongly dislike, when we turn Christian into an adjective, okay? It's just my little soapbox for a second here, okay? We got Christian plumbers. We got Christian movies. We got Christian ice cream. I'm sure we even got Christian dental floss, okay? I mean, we're worse than the people in the temple that Jesus drove out, okay? Check this out. Check this out. Look at this. Christian gum, okay? And it says, you measure up, okay? Luke 6.38. You want to know what Luke 6.38 says? It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. (laughs) How about this next one? How would you like to get your child the 10 plagues of Christian toys? I can't even take this. There's literally a severed head as one of the toys, okay? And then dead animals, okay? Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> you thought, you know, some of those darker parts of the Bible. Yeah, let's make that into a toy. How about the Christian cookie cutter for all of you who are hoping you could eat baby Jesus for Christmas, okay? <laughs> How about, we got a couple more here. You can get Christian workouts, praise workout, right? We got Christian action figures. Look at Jesus with a football, Jesus riding a, a, a rodeo, Christian uh, lip balm, okay? And it's Jesus's belly, okay? <laughs> I think we got some selfish ambition going on in the church. Do you think? Do you think? Now, I know I'm judging all the motives here. Maybe the best intentions growing into that Christian roll of gum. Maybe it wasn't all just to make some money. Who knows? Who knows? My goal isn't to depress you with how messed up the church is, but be able to help you see all of this and then see how Paul reacts. Look at verse 18. But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Talk about the optimism of a superhero, like that's his special power. Paul literally says, oh, well, I care. All I care about is that Christ is preached. Paul is single-mindedly driven towards the goal of reaching lost people for Jesus. And he believes it so much that God is in control. He trusts that even with Christian gum, God can bring about a salvation He's got a little more faith than me, okay? Does that mean Paul agrees with what these guys are doing? Not at all. Not at all. He literally says they're seeking Jesus for selfish ambition. They're not actually following Jesus. They think they're going to make some quick paper, boost their social cred, gain a credit in this world. But here's what Paul sees. God's gospel is still going forward. Paul knows that God is not limited by the false Christian. And some of you need to hear this this morning. God is not limited by the false Christian because you sit in one of two camps, one of two camps. You're either out there playing Jesus for the, for the fool, trying to make a quick buck, you know, or you're sitting here really mad at those people who are doing that, okay? Like, that's the two camps you fall into. And I, I hear you, I hear you. You see, I definitely fall into the get really annoyed camp, okay? Don't, just let's not even get started again on that. But I think we both need to hear something this morning. I think we both need to hear something. For those of you who are claiming his name, thinking that it's going to give you a plus one on your resume, I want to speak directly to you, okay? And tell you it's worthless. It's worthless. It's a lose-lose for you. Even if you gain an inch in this life, you lose everything, right? God knows what's really going down, and he doesn't get tricked. He can't be tricked. God is not the kind of God that the end justifies the means, okay? He cares about the process, about how you're serving him in the day in and day out. And maybe this morning God is calling you to, you know, get your heart right with him. To stop just using his name and start living it. He's gracious and forgiving. He always welcomes you back. That's the one side. But in the other camp, in the other camp, 
Are those of you you're hearing, you're sitting here seething, you saw those products and you're just like, I knew it! I knew it, I knew it, I knew there was people that made lip balm with Jesus' belly. Like how horrible is this, okay? You got your whip of cords already made in honor of Jesus driving the people out of the temple, right? Like you, you, you got that waiting and you're gonna go flip some tables. And here's what I think you need to hear. Are you living your faith? Are you living your faith? Of course I am, Pastor G. I'm called to purify the church by Jesus' blood. Okay? Uh, no, no, no. It's easy. It's easy to sit boarded up in your room and critique the church by yelling out your window. Okay? Hear me on this. Hear me on this. It's easy to always see the bad but not live out the good. Okay? Okay? It's easy to do nothing but always know what everyone else is doing wrong. Are you out on the streets living your faith? Hear me out. Hear me out. So many of us get caught up critiquing the church, trying to purify the church that we never actually live out our faith. When was the last time you genuinely worshipped God? When was the last time you've given sacrificially to help someone or to move God's kingdom here? When was the last time you fasted and prayed for longer than five minutes? Spend some serious time with brothers and sisters in a fellowship. Share your faith with a person who doesn't know about Jesus. Stay with me here. Stay with me here. This isn't to shame you, but to wake you up. To wake you up. Sometimes we get so lost in our arguments, in our anger, in our hurt, our self-righteousness, that we stop following Jesus ourselves and we don't even notice. We don't even notice. That's why I love this attitude of Paul. You got all these messed up dudes messing everything up. Whatever. I'm going on. I'm going on. Paul wasn't caught up in just critiquing the church. He was in prison because he was living it. He was living it. And even there he was spending all his time writing to the church. Like I love this quote from D.L. Moody. Uh, I think I forgot to put it on the screen, so don't worry about it. But this is what D.L. Moody said to a critic of his who didn't like the way that he evangelized. He says, it's clear you don't like my way of doing evangelism. And you raise some good points. Frankly, I sometimes do not like my way of doing evangelism. But I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. Woo! <laughs> the guy's probably like, Ugh. Don't miss what I'm saying here. Some of you are instantly going to your tried and true verses. You're like, we got to be innocent as doves and wise as snakes, Pastor G. There's sheep and wolf's clothings out there, Pastor G. Get the church holy before Jesus spits her out of her mouth, okay? Jesus definitely cares about the purity of the church. But are you living it? Are you living it? Are you living it? Are you living it? Okay, okay, okay. Finally, I just want to look at these last verses real quick in this section. I know, I know, I'm keeping you way past your attention span, okay? But stay with me. You don't want to miss the way this ends. Look at this. Look at this. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Hmm. Paul's like, guys... Don't quote me on this, but I think God's going to rescue me. Oh, dang, Paul. All right, Paul. Cool, cool. And look at verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, 
but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Ah, oh, hang on a second there, Paul. I thought you were so confident that God was going to rescue you. Why you got to go and bring in that whole death word, right? Like, come on, you're Paul. You're God's like apostle. He's not going to let you die. He's not going to leave you hanging. You're his man, right? And this is where Paul gets real. Paul goes just for the God. Go to verse 21 here. This is what he says. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whew. I mean, how many of you have heard that before? Now, even better question. Even this is the first time you've heard. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? Well, Pastor G, I, I well, of course I do. I believe that completely. Hmm. I think this is how we hear that. We say, we hear that say, to live is Christ and to live a very long life and die at the end of a long life is gain. Okay? That's, that's how we hear it. To, you know, to live is Christ, but to live to a ripe old age, that's gain. Okay? <laughs> now I'm touching your buttons. Okay? How many of you would believe that it's gain if you died from cancer this year? 2021. I doubt any of us. How about execution from a crazy person? Okay? No? I get it. I'm right here with you, but I have to look at these verses and wonder, what is going on? Paul is facing execution. He's got crazies outside trying to make his life impossibly difficult, and he genuinely believes that it's okay if he dies this way. Right here, right now. How many of you in that situation, that's what you would say? Hmm? Look at this next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 22. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what should I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. <laughs> I think you need to take a listen. Let's just rewind. I desire to be a part, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Okay. I think we need to rewind one more time. Just a little bit. Which is better by far. Which is better by far. Okay. It's, is, it, is it though, Paul? Like, like, are you sure? Or are you just being like all spiritual and stuff? Like, is it actually better? Look at verse 24. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Oh, thank God. I was really scared for a moment, Paul. I thought you were about to tell me that it was death was better. But I almost felt convicted. We all know that God wants you to live a long life, Paul. We cannot do it without you, okay? Like, just like he wants me to keep on living a long life, okay? And that's where you're missing it. That's where you're missing it. Look at his words and the tone as he writes here. Look at it. This is a man that is genuinely torn. I don't think that he's exaggerating or adding emotions or over-spiritualizing. This is the crazy part. Here's a man who's actually so in love with Jesus. So in love with Jesus that he actually, someone say actually. Actually. He actually believes it would be better if he died. 
because he would be able to go and see Jesus face to face. How many of us can say confidently with Paul, to die and be with Christ is better by far? Hmm. Hmm. No, no way, Jose. I mean, I love you and all, Jesus, but I got so much more life to live, so much more love to give, so much more, more things to accomplish. I got plans, I got dreams, I got goals. I haven't even traveled yet. I haven't found that special someone yet. I haven't even had sex yet. God, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to the conundrum of the gospel. The choice that each of us faces. This question from Jesus. Here's the question from Jesus. Do you love me? Do you love me? Oh, sure. We all would say, I love you, Jesus. But how much? Like, where is it on the list? Right? If there was a list of things that you love, would Jesus be on that list? Where would he be on that list? Let me close with this. Jesus' right-hand man here on earth was Peter, right? Peter, and Peter thought he was all that, right? He thought he was in the closeness. He was in the tight group with Jesus. He'd seen some crazy stuff, and he thought he really did love Jesus above everything else. He even told Jesus that. He said, I love you about everything else. Even if you were to go and die, I will go and die with you. And Jesus says, hang on there, Peter. Tonight, you're going to have the chance. And you're going to deny me three times. Not once, not twice, three times. You're going to deny that you even know me. Okay? That's what's going to happen. And I'm sure Peter was like... <laughs> No, Jesus, you got me wrong, bro. I got this, okay? I'm going to be there. Don't you worry, okay? And what happens? Exactly what Jesus said. Peter denies him three times. Talk about a hit to the pride. I mean, man, if you look at like every gospel tells about the three times, everyone, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Luke's, it says that on the third time, I think, I think it's Luke. Or maybe it's Mark. Now I'm getting confused, but you can look it up. But it says in there, it says on the third time he was cursing. I swear to you, I don't know the name. Blanky, blank, blank name, okay? He was cursing. And it says at that moment, Jesus looked over and they made eye contact. I imagine, I mean, can you imagine like Peter, like, oh. Right? The, the brokenness. Imagine the shame and despair that came over Peter. Even after Jesus comes back from the dead, I'm sure Peter constantly had those false words ringing in his head. The way that he denied him, the way he cursed out that he even knew Jesus. I'm sure he questioned everything about himself that he thought, do I really love Jesus? There's a beautiful scene in the scriptures. If you look at the book of John, the very end, it's the scriptures, the, the scene where Jesus, who knows What's going on in Peter? Get that. He knows that Peter's experiencing all this shame and pain. And he comes to him by the beach and he asks him this question. Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus says again, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. I imagine him leaning in close for the last time. Peter, do you love me? The scriptures say that at this time, at the third time that mirrored his three denials, Peter broke down and just started crying. And through tears and pain, Peter cries out, Yes, Lord, I love you. See, Jesus wasn't just, I forgive you, Peter. We're good. Peter, Jesus restores Peter gently, carefully, lovingly. And the accounts of Peter's martyrdom seem to show that he did indeed value Jesus more than anything again after that. That he went to his death courageously. He did value Jesus more than death, just like Paul is saying in our words in Philippians this morning. And this is where I want to close with this morning with Jesus' question for you. Do you love me? More than that job, more than that relationship, more than your own life. Do you love me? I believe that only deep love for Jesus can help us to face the hardest things that come our way with joy and courage. And Jesus definitely wants to meet you right there this morning. Maybe you're sitting in shame. Fear, brokenness, Jesus comes gently and gently draws you to himself. He wants to draw that love out of you this morning. He wants you to find more love in him than anything else. And I guarantee you that he will meet you. He will meet you right now. I just want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person listening this morning. I believe every single person needs to hear this word. I think they need to wrestle with the reality of whether you're a trinket or you're the Lord of their life. Jesus, you are so gracious to us. You welcome us back with open arms, no matter how far we've strayed, how far we've run. I pray this morning, God, that your grace will be real to each person listening. Jesus, I pray, I pray that you would do a, a powerful work of restoration this morning to that person listening right now. I pray you would restore them. You would help them, just as you did with Peter, to find a deeper love in you than anyone else. That we, alongside Paul, could claim that to die is better. To die is better because we would see you. Hmm. We value you more than anything else. Jesus, we love you. We love you. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.